This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Stu at 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. We were starting to talk about the uh, big debate last night between Ted Cruz and Bernie Sanders on uh, Obamacare and the health care system and where it should be going and what's happening to it now. Uh, Here's a look at uh, Cruz answering Sanders' question about whether all Americans are entitled to health care. Ted, let me ask you a question. Sure. Sure. Is every American entitled, and I underlined that word, to health care as a right of being an American? Yes, I, no. You know, I'm glad you asked that. You know, right is a word you use a lot. Let's yep. talk about what rights are. Yeah. Rights mean you have a right for government not to mess with you, for government not to do things with you. If you look at the Bill of Rights, the Bill of Rights, free speech means the government can't silence you when you're speaking. Religious liberty means the government can't control who you worship, what your faith is. The Second Amendment means the government can't take away your guns. Those are rights. You know, what the Declaration of Independence said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So what is a right? Is access to health care. What is a right is choosing your own doctor. And if you believe health care is a right, Why on earth did you help write Obamacare that caused six million people to have their health insurance canceled, that had them lose their doctors, and have people like LaRonda who can't get health insurance, can't afford premiums? You're denying Mm. her what you say is her right. Jeez. Mm. (laughs) The simple answer to that question is no. No, you're not. There is no right to health care. The answer is no. Look in the Constitution. You tell me. The answer is no. There's I mean, no right to health care. That is a great answer. Um, however, his answer, I thought, was really good. It was I good. mean, look, the, the bottom line is he went back. I mean, the reason I'm frustrated as I watch a clip like that is I think of what could have been. Yep. I think, I of, I think of what could have been. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, that could have been the debate we were watching uh, last year um, between those two. Um, and I just, you know, the, the guy who, I remember... The president we currently have believes the opposite of what Ted Cruz said. He believes what Bernie Sanders said. Mm-hmm. And he said it multiple times. Now, he said, you know, he said he's going to get everyone health care. He said the government's going to pay for it. This is during the campaign. Um, now, whether he, he is saying he's going to repeal Obamacare, but if you repeal Obamacare and replace it with something worse, that's not a positive. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, with that. But even if he 
lands in the right place, the, the mood strikes him correctly to be a conservative that particular day, he will never be able to articulate anything like that. I mean, that is, uh, you know, I mean, I don't even think reading the Declaration of Independence, he could sound as good as that. And, no. you know, Ted was doing it from memory. You know, well, while this I... Is the, this is his core. It's his core. It's what he believes. And, like, you know, questions like that, they don't intimidate Ted Cruz. I mean, uh, you know, no. that's, uh, that's a difficult situation because what you're saying, what he's trying to put him in a position is you're saying that, like, this sick person doesn't have the right to, get, to get a, go to a doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's not what rights are in this country. Um, it's not supposed to be. We, our rights, in the, I mean, he goes back to the Bill of Rights and quotes a bunch of them. And, the and point the is to keep the government is, out of your business, which is right, what Obamacare does. He, and he did touch on that. Yeah, he did. And, yeah. and, he, and that's, that's great because the Constitution is a charter of negative liberties. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't spell out all the things you can do. It spells out to the government what it cannot do to us. Everything else is our responsibility. We take care of everything else. Just keep the government out of the way of the citizenry. And then it's, it's our responsibility, not our right, to do all these things. It's my responsibility to make sure my, my family's covered. And, right, like, and, and this is so, a good example of this is the Second Amendment, which we obviously all cherish, which does not say the government must provide you with a gun. Right. It says it they, says can't, I can't, stop they can't stop you from, from acquiring one. one on your own. It mm-hmm. doesn't say that the government must come up with a subsidy program so that you can afford a gun if they're right. not affordable. That's right. It doesn't guarantee that either. And this is something that we like and they hate. So uh, that is exactly what that is. That was a, I thought that was a really good answer by Ted it, Cruz. It was. And the thing is, we had a safety net for those who couldn't afford health care. There, there was a safety net before all of this. There, was no, there were no piles of dead bodies in the streets from people who couldn't afford to get health care. Yeah. You'd get, you'd get health care. You'd, you'd be served. If you were sick, we took care of you. You go to the hospital... They're going to take care of you. I mean, and not even and not just, by law and not just the hospital, but uh, Medicaid and Medicare right. are two programs specifically designed to uh, to uh, address uh, these concerns for older people and people without enough income. Um, you know, there were a pocket of people in the middle, many of which were making uh, seventy five to one hundred thousand dollars a year who chose <coughs> not to buy health insurance, which Obamacare addressed. It did insure some of those people at cost to others. I mean, that's not, a, that's not something you, you is brag about. Is that fair? That's not fair. I don't think it is. It's not right. Um, you know, it was a lot of money. Uh, for it was a, it, it, I mean, we, we use this term often because it applies, but it really does describe what Obamacare is. It is not a health care program. It is a redistribution of wealth. It is taking money from people you don't think should have it and giving it to others for things that you think they should have. And one of the designers admitted that in the beginning, uh, Donald Berwick. Uh, he's one of the guys that got, yeah. Jeez, got the God, idea how did you from, pull that name out? From, from the, that I was, don't know. That was pretty freaking amazing, but I do remember that now <laughs> yeah. that you say it. Yeah, that was pretty and, amazing. And he said, not only did he say it is, he said it must, must, he said three times, must be redistributive. Must be. And so that's the way they designed it. Hmm. So, uh, it, it, you know, Ted, Ted just kicked some butt last night. Um, and he continued to do that with uh, Bernie Sanders when they talked about going after Big Pharma. I would love for us to work together going after Big Pharma. 
and in particular taking on the FDA. Right now it takes $2 billion to approve a new drug. Now I've introduced legislation to reform the FDA process so that new health care, so that we can be curing diseases and we can be helping people. We I would encourage you to join well, me I'll in that legislation. Join me in right to try so that if someone has mm. a terminal disease, the government won't tell them you can't try this life-saving medicine because we forbid it. Gentlemen, I, 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 we could One do this, we could do this all night. We're going to get to pharma. I'm willing yes. to look at it. If you're willing to look at taking on pharma, which is the greediest of many greedy corporate interests in Washington, yeah, and I'll tell you what, true. I'm going to introduce legislation to have Medicare negotiate prices with the pharmaceutical industry. I am going to introduce again legislation to allow Americans to buy less expensive medicine in Canada, the UK, and other countries. I, I, I can't take it. I, I can't take the demonization of big companies. And yeah, that's what he's doing there. And it's yeah. so easy to go after uh, the pharmaceutical companies who spend all this money in, in R&D, and, and they develop all of these products. Something like 70 or 80% of all drugs uh, in the world are developed right here. Um, it might be slightly smaller than that in some years than others, but we, we do most of the uh, new drugs, the development, the research and development of drugs, and then we distribute them throughout the world. Now, the reason they're so expensive is because they have to make that money back somehow, and I've just been a victim of this. I, I, I get this uh, prescription that is incredibly expensive, and I, I didn't realize it with our old drug company because they... They just paid it, um, a, a big portion of it. But it's 1400 bucks every time I get 30 of them. $1,400. And our new insurance company said no to that. And so uh, I, I can relate to people who think, well, I can't afford my medication because I can't afford to pay $800 or $1,400 every time I, I go and try right. to get this. Um, but... On the other hand, there's got to be a way for them to make up for the research and development of all of these drugs because after, I think it's six months, another company comes in and does the generic version, taking their formula and just taking the brand name off of it, and then they, they've, they're, it's gone. They're out. It's gone. They're gone. It's done. Bye -bye. So they, they got to make that money initially because it goes away very quickly. So I, yeah, I don't know I, what the answer to that is. Um, you're right. I mean, because, you know, they keep they keep talking about this. I mean, first of all, one of the reasons our, our drug prices are, are higher than in other parts of the world is that a lot of the uh, drug companies are based here. Um, and we are footing the bill for the research and development. The, the, the difficult times yeah. where they waste, and it's, I don't have the stats in front of me, uh, um, uh, but it, they will try hundreds and hundreds of, of different compounds and, and formulas to try to get something that does anything. It's incredibly expensive they to waste so much. Yeah, because it's hard. Yeah. Um, think about, this is uh, going back to, uh, you know, this is from a while ago. But think, think, I love this, this breakdown of this. Let's think of the business model of a big drug company for a second. They spend years and years and billions of dollars developing products with no promise 
or timeline for success. They don't know when they're going to hit one. If they discover something that works, they get bogged down in years of bureaucratic red tape. Then they will have a very limited prospective customer base because very few people with irritable bowel, without irritable, irritable bowel syndrome will actually take the drug used to treat <laughs> irritable bowel syndrome. Right. So you're only targeting a very small slice uh -huh. of the populace uh, with almost all of these things. There's some that are wide enough. I mean, Jeffy, I you know you certainly think, aren't making fun of IBS, are you? Oh, not at all. Okay. Um, and when a product finally gets on the market, they are flooded with both with complaints that they should be giving it away for free. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing they get. And then if oh, anything goes wrong, their whole entire business should go out. Uh, they should, their entire company should go out of business. And then after that is the point that Pat, uh, Pat just brought up, which is they have it for a few years and then they lose the patent and everyone can make it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it, it's amazing these guys make any money. And they do have to charge premium prices for some of this. But thank God they do. Thank God they do. They've I know. They've extended all of our lives I because know. of it. They've treated various illnesses. They, I mean, yes. And again, almost all of that happens here. Yep. That's not happening in France and the nope. UK. I mean, to a certain extent it is, but not nearly to the extent that the United States researches and develops these drugs. And fortunately for the small segment of society that does have irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, fortunately, they have developed certain things to treat the, that. Amen. And, and Amen. I, Jeffy, I, I know that's important to you because you've got all manner of diseases, and I'm sure that's one of them. And I would never make fun of irritable bowel syndrome because okay. I made that mistake with Sybil Shepherd when she was on her irritable bowel syndrome IBS tour. tour. The IBS tour. <laughs> And I may have mocked a little bit oh, when pissed. she came to the studio in Houston, Texas, and uh, and was not not pleased. You, you mocked mock her to her face. <laughs> yeah, they get pissed. Yes, I did, yeah. and she was not pleased. Um, really? But I couldn't help it at the time. I thought it was amusing. Uh, I wasn't the, that familiar just, just with it. Just to be clear, you thought it was amusing because the word bowel was in it. <laughs> That, that was the extent it was of simple yes. shepherd, okay. and it was irritable bowel. Yes. come on, it's a weird Come delivery on. system for an irritable it bowel is. syndrome message. Yes. I, will, I will, I will grant you. <laughs> yes, like Jeffy, if Jeffy was a spokesperson for an irritable bowel syndrome drug, everyone would be like, ah, that's the no, guy. Oh well, yeah, obviously, about irritable bowel syndrome, and I guess right, that's but not the why. not the girl from Moonlighting. No, right? <laughs> well, that was like uh, when. Um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis started doing the uh, I'll poop a lot more yogurt. Oh, yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. I'll poop a lot more. I'll, I'll, yeah. you, you could poop a lot more yogurt. That was the name of it, I believe. At least that was the message they were sending you. <laughs> that was the message. <laughs> You're going to poop on schedule with this yogurt. Yeah. Was, was basically what they're telling you. But it's like, Jamie Lee Curtis is a sex symbol. Yeah. Like, Sybil Shepherd was a sex symbol. Yeah. And now they're talking about their bowels? Yes. I'm guessing, though, that at the time, if I remember correctly, when mm. Sybil was on her IBS tour, uh, she had strayed away from that sick, sex symbol look. Oh, a little, yes. A tad? Mm -hmm. Just a tad. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I guess, you, you know, know. look, yes. that happens with IBS. I have a living example. <laughs> so you used to be a sex symbol, and look what it's done yes. to you? Yeah, That's IBS. a good commercial. I'll say i got to buy this. I, I, I don't even have it. I'm going to buy it anyway. Just All right. Sure. Uh, okay, well, there was more of the debate last night between Cruz and Sanders, and here's a look at who's really making out in all this Obamacare nonsense. Insurance company profits have doubled under Obamacare. That was the result. Bernie helped write Obamacare. I don't think the federal government ought to be passing a law that doubles insurance company profits. And while those profits were doubling, what hmm. happened to the average American family? The average American family, your premiums have gone up $5,462. Wow. At the same time, the average deductible wow. 
has gone up $5,000. For families that are struggling, you're getting less coverage, you're paying more for it, mm -hmm. and your deductibles are higher. And you mm -hmm. know who's making out like gangbusters? The insurance companies and those in government whose solution is let's have even more government control. Senator, this thing isn't working. You know? Wow. I, again, I don't know how. I know. I don't know how you disagree with that. I mean, you could have a fundamental idea, I think, as Bernie Sanders obviously does, that it doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter if it performs. I believe everyone should have this no matter what, and let's go from there. And I think that's, while a terribly wrong position is at least ideologically honest, right? Like you're saying, I don't care if it costs $20 trillion, we're going to do this no matter what. Obviously, we always make the point of, like, wouldn't you do food first? Wouldn't you do water first? Wouldn't right. you do housing first? You would think so, You'd yeah. you think you go through a lot of things that aren't guaranteed rights at this point before you got there. But, okay, you want to talk health care? Because I know they want to get to Wi-Fi, so you got to get health care out of the way. Um, but other than that, other than an ideological dedication that borders on the uh, re religious fervor, why on earth could you even, would you even argue for Obamacare at this point. It's been a complete disaster. Yes, more people have on paper coverage, but millions of them have been fined. People have been being fined for years, millions of people. I mean, and you see the results there. The prices have gone up, not down. The cost curve has not been bent. It's been, it's continued to rise. Uh, we've seen- Bent, I mean, it's, yeah, been, it's been bent, bent upward. Way. Yeah, bent the other way. We were told 2,500 per family per year. Instead, it went up 50, 400 for yep. the average family. Amazing. That's amazing. Man, the deductible is not a minor Jeez. thing. We just went through this here at, uh, at, uh, um, at, the, at the office because we had to change healthcare companies and we had a bunch of different options of like what plan we wanted to do. And you know, I had to sit down with freaking spreadsheets over vacation for several days to figure out which and one thank was thank goodness the best. you did that. Cause yeah, because I was just about ready to do that. Money. I mean, I was so close to sitting yeah. down and yeah, we all the spreadsheets. Really? And then all of a sudden, yeah. I was like, hey, Stu yeah. already did this. Oh, oh good. Stu just oh. finished it up right before <laughs> our... Oh, thank you. But the deal, <laughs> my point of that, that is there was a big, big uh, difference, difference when you went through all huge. the numbers. And to the point of like these, some of these deductibles, people don't even think about, all they think about is like, oh, average, average monthly cost. That's how I always used to always think about it. And well, the, but you, you look at when you factor in deductibles and you factor in what the minimum no you're going to yeah. pay versus the maximum, some of these plans are completely out of control. It's unbelievable. And unless you're sitting there, you know, breaking out Excel, you're not going to even know it. And we have gone from a group of people who paid nothing for our health care, even for the family coverage, to paying a significant amount. And we went from no deductible to a significant amount. And we went from, uh, you know, small copay to much larger copay. I mean, we've really been hurt by all this in the last so, three and, or four years. And we're years. still on the good side of it. I mean, and we're, yeah. I mean, some of the other, because, you know, my wife has a job as well, and she had a potential for insurance, so I did the same thing with all the insurance plans she had to Was offer. ours better than hers? Yes, ours was considerably yeah. better. I, I mean, mean, that's what we heard from the, yeah, the, all the dingleberries that were true. Well, that's what that's stuff. what they were telling us, but at the, like I told them I at know, the meeting, it, it doesn't seem Stop. good to us because we had much better before and now it's worse. <laughs> Put your dance in and just tell us the plan. Yeah. <laughs> so don't try to sell me your nonsense. It ain't it ain't working here. I'm I guess, not buying. <laughs> I got to say, I do want to hear more of this cruise thing. Um, yes. Uh, I, I want to finish this up. We got to do this, um, but we got to take a break first. Um, we can tell you, however, before we do that, about our friends at My Patriot Supply. We're talking about taking a positive step towards self-reliance. You don't need the government. T Ted Cruz is talking about, uh, you know, well, uh, everyone wants the government to come in and, st and step in and with your health care. Well, food is another thing. 
You know, yeah. if you prepare yourself, you don't have to worry about the government stepping in if there's a natural disaster. Are they going to come ride to your rescue? Why worry about that when you can do it yourself? And first of all, they're not going to ride to your rescue for at least a good amount of days. Yeah. I mean, two, three days minimum. And sometimes it's much longer than that. So get some easy to prepare emergency food that tastes great, lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Yeah, 99 bucks for four weeks. I mean, you're not going to beat that. Plus, they're going to ship it to you for free. 888-411-5290 is the number or preparewiththeblaze.com. 888-411-5290 or preparewiththeblaze.com. So uh, let's do a little bit more with Ted Cruz. Um, you know, as you know, uh, he could never. I mean, we wanted him to be president. Um, obviously, we were the, he was the guy we were rooting for. He could not be president. He was not eligible. Uh, he was not a natural-born citizen. Um, in fact, he was born in Canada. So now, sit, on, sit on Canada that for quite a, a bit. I, I know quite a bit about Canadian health care. I was born there. Uh, you know, Bernie, that may be the best argument against your position. Is, is you, you know, look, look what it look produced. Look at the results. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a funny line, anyway. Yeah, a little self-deprecating. Um, how about um, Bernie Sanders? Uh, he's going into because uh, I think it was just a small business conversation. Was the was the creation of this particular discussion, and Bernie took it one way. In America today, everybody should have health care. And if you have more than 50 people, you know what? I think I'm afraid to tell you, but I think you will have to provide health care. So my insurance. question is, how do I do that without raising my prices to my customers or lowering wages well, to my employees? You see, the difficulty is also is, and I'm not much of an expert on hair dressing I've in general. I've never run anything in my life. <laughs> and certainly in Fort Worth. I'm just one in small businesses. <laughs> I know. But my guess is one of the problems that we have is there may be somebody else in Fort Worth who is providing decent health insurance to their employees. And they are in an unfair competitive situation regarding you. You can compete and maybe charge lower prices, get business, while they, on the other hand, may be providing decent health insurance. I think I don't you'll think find that the profit margin in my entire well, industry Well, maybe. I, I certainly don't know, you know about hair salons and okay. Fort Worth. But I do believe, to be honest with you, that if you have more than 50 people, uh, yes, you should be providing health insurance. Wow. I mean, that's, that's great. That's a, what a great moment there. Wow. Because that explains it. You know what? So? I don't care. I don't care. Do <laughs> he it. doesn't care about her. No. He doesn't care about her business. No. He, do, he doesn't care if yeah, that's he a says, struggle. And, you know, and he thinks it's unfair that she's able to keep her prices low for you. Think about what that means to you as a consumer every yeah, day. When you man. go around, you want to go buy, you want to get a haircut, you want to you know, go buy something. What he's saying is low prices are bad for you and you just don't know it. Well, so I'll, we'll force you to do it. We'll give you the high prices and then you'll suck it up. That's why he would, he would hate a business like Walmart. And he would complain about Walmart mm -hmm. and he would try to drive Walmart out of business. Uh, because Unreal. he's a socialist and he'd rather have the government interfere in into our economic well, system and screw it up. All he's ever done is government, of course. I mean, that's, yeah. he's, he's not run a business. No, his, right. His little disclaimer always is, instead of saying, I've never run a business, his disclaimer is always, well, I'm not sure how uh, about running your particular business. Right, right, right. Okay? I don't but know he says that to every business. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about hairdressers in Fort right. Worth. Well, maybe you should think about them, mm -hmm. because your policies are affecting hairdressers in Fort Worth. And the fact is, you're right. You don't know, and That's no one right. could know. No one could know the, the details. That's why you don't make overly broad policies that hurt everybody. That's why you don't do it. 
Because if you if you were to be able to understand each business, these people could come to you and say, wait a minute, you're screwing me. You're screwing my business. And I know you think, you know, as a progressive, you know best for everyone, but you don't know what's best for us. And people can go look for those places. They can go find uh, those jobs. You know, one of the big things down here right now with hairdressers are these like um, independent contractor salon type places where they will... Uh, and I don't know if this is big across the country, but in Texas, it's pretty big. And so they'll buy a place will have an entire facility and they will rent out each individual room, basically, right. for a different hairdresser to come in and be their own business person. Right. They get their own clients. They don't mm -hmm. they don't book through the central part. They, they get their own clients. They have to pay rent for that little room and they can work as much or as little as they want. It's almost like Uber for hairdressers in a way. Right. It's uh, different than rather renting the chair and having to go through the main company. Yeah, you know what I mean, like calling Bill's barbershop. Right. Bill also, gets a cut, and it's but it's more It's it's different than the traditional employment yeah. contract, where like Jeffy owns the salon and he pays his hairdresser, uh, you know, fifteen dollars an hour to cut hair. That's not the way these things work anymore. The people who are really good at it are able to make more money because they work their asses off and get more clients. At the same time, like I, for example, what my wife was telling me about her hairdresser who. Uh, over the past three years has had two children. So she's been able to work when she wants, coming back from the, from the baby, not needing to, to, to fill a full-time position. She pops in whenever she can. When she books someone, she pops in for an hour, does the hair, and then leaves and is able to make some income while still tending uh, to her family. I mean, that's, these, are great, these are great things that are happening. Um, and, you know, you're forcing insurance on everybody is going to make those things basically impossible to do. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing, and it's, it's tough for, for, for people to handle, but Bernie Sanders thinks he, he knows better. Yeah, he does. Else. Uh, he we does. got a couple more here. One more. Um, this, is, uh, this is Ted Cruz talking about the ideal health care system we should have. We should have a system, I believe, where you can choose to get the policies that meet your needs. And the impact, especially for young people, of all the mandated coverage... You know, it's interesting. The Democrats' view, they're big on talking about insurance coverage. But it's a little bit like giving everyone a bus ticket when there are no buses. What we should care about is access to health care, not just insurance per se. And what's happened under Obamacare is that millions of people can't afford it. We should be concerned about people being able to afford health insurance. And that means giving them the choice in 50 states to choose a policy. In your instance, you would choose a policy that had maternity coverage, but someone else who right now kind of can't afford it might choose a different policy. Senator and when government mandates it, those choices go away. Now, the maternity one is such a good example because that's not only just men who don't need to be covered from maternity, which you wind up paying for anyway, because uh, pregnancy is a pre-existing condition. No, it's just not in a condition for men. So men who are single should not be paying for maternity coverage. The same thing happens with women who don't want it. Many women are on birth control. They don't want maternity coverage. And so they can choose not to uh, get it if they didn't want to. There's a lot of women uh, that might hit a particular uh, age, um, you know. I mean, Jeffy, is a, you know, if he was a woman, it would obviously not even a chance. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking thousands of years ago that would have gone away. Uh, why would he have maternity coverage? He might look pregnant. He's not. So mm -hmm. that's a, oh yeah, well that's, that's mm -hmm. what it is. What yeah. if I am pregnant? I actually no, you're not. It says right there what you are. So we got that covered. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the number. We have some stuff from uh, Glenn telling a cool story about history coming up. Also, spoons. And, and, and when we talk about spoons, we're talking about trying a new product. We have one that I'm very, very interested in today. Uh, as you know, 
I love the red velvet. Red velvet is my life. We've got some red velvet coming your way in just a couple of minutes. Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the number. Pat and Stu, Triple Eight Seven Two Seven Beck. Uh, it's Black History Month, and uh, so Glenn's kind of investigating that this month and looking into Black Wall Street. It was a name given to the most prominent black community in the United States, actually, during the 1920s, and they were quite successful. Here's a look. Let me take you back to Black Wall Street, Greenwood, a town that is truly remarkable and needs to be studied. The people, our generation needs to know about Greenwood, Oklahoma. Not the tragedy, although yes, but the spirit of it. There's a rumor now going around that the Klan is planning an assault on the courthouse at night and the blacks begin to organize. Volunteers are called. Now remember, this is a time right after World War I, so the volunteers are coming in, and most of them are armed with rifles and pistols. Uh, many of them are vets. And here comes O.W. Gurley. He gathers everybody else. The vets are all starting to arm themselves, and he gathers everybody else, and he says, calm, calm. Let's pray. He had a ton invested in Tulsa. All of them did. The future was there. And he's like, this could just be a misunderstanding. But he knew it also could destroy every dream that all of them had brought to Oklahoma. Information was crucial. They didn't have any. He volunteered. Now think of this, the bravery of Gurley. He volunteers to get into his car and drive to the courthouse and find out what's happening firsthand. Can you imagine that? He drives up in his fancy car, an uppity, one of them black men, in his car, and he sees the mob is growing by the hundreds. He comes back and says, there are thousands there. The sheriff meets him inside. And the sheriff says, I promise you, I am not going to allow any lynching. Gurley knew that the sheriff was a really good guy and a man of his word. And so they shook hands, looked each other in the eye, and Gurley goes back to the elders of, uh, of Greenwood. Unfortunately, when he gets back, he finds out that he's already too late. The elders had decided that they couldn't risk leaving the fate of Roland up to chance. And so they had all packed up into their cars and their trucks, and they had went to the courthouse, and they were armed to the teeth. They were ready. When they got to the courthouse, miraculously, somehow or another, um, the sheriff, McCullough, and his black deputy convinced the convoy, please, don't make this work, stand down. And they went, they started going back to Glenwood, um, and they said, if you can't keep the mob at bay, we are coming, bay, uh, coming back. Well, now, 
because of the Klan instigators, the white mob is now outraged because the instigators are now saying, not only do these guys have the gall to come and try to break this guy out, take him and subvert justice, but they came, frankly, with more guns than we have. Mob sets out for guns and ammo. They would not be caught unprepared. Neither side arming to the teeth, neither side would be caught. The mob goes down the streets of Tulsa. They kick in the, sh the uh, doors of the uh, sporting goods shop. They steal all the weapons they can find. They even attack the armory, the National Guard. Um, the commanding officer shows up and says, get out of here. Rumor gets back to the black convoy that's on their way back to Greenwood that an attack on the courthouse has already occurred. So they fire up their cars again and they head back to defend Roland. But it's all rumors at this time. This time, as they arrive at the courthouse, they find out there's no attack. And as they turn, a white man reaches up and tries to disarm one of the black men. That is all it took. And all hell broke loose. The shots ring out. There's mass chaos. Some of the blacks scatter in different directions. The rest, mostly World War I vets, begin a tactical retreat back to Greenwood. 20 people are laying dead in the streets on the initial volley. But this was just the beginning because the race war was now on, and it would look more like a battle in the streets of uh, France and in Germany more than anything else would ever look like a real war in America, this was it. The vets started to lay down cover fire while the rest of them would retreat block by block, and then they'd flip and uh, continue the retreat, and they were doing it like the military did. These guys were all trained, both sides all trained in the military. And from the beginning, you could see this is something entirely new to this continent. It continues until the battle line was established at the railroad tracks, the place that separated Greenwood from Tulsa. The white mob was there on their side of the railroad tracks, and they would grab any black that was caught behind the line. They would tie them to cars, and they would drag their bodies around, hooting and hollering and honking and celebrating. There was only a small crowd left at the courthouse. Most of the mob, they didn't even care about Roland anymore. I don't know if they even did, ever. But this was something much larger now. National Guard immediately goes to organizing the town. Hundreds of men, men that were just recently planning to lynch Roland, were now, and had been stealing arms from the, the, the sporting goods store. They were being deputized. So the guys who were part of the mob are now part of the safety task force. They roll out the machine guns. They bring them in from the armory. They set them up right on their side of the railroad tracks at strategic locations. and. Many of the white World War I veterans go home. They're not going home to uh, not be a part of it. They're going home to change into their uniforms. Martial law is declared. And somebody fires the first shot. The blacks in Greenwood are prepared to defend their area. A lot of people fled in terror. 
There were refugees that formed a river of panic as they went towards the north to the countryside. The black defenders, their battle cry was, it will never happen here. They had seen the riots, witnessed them, or heard about them in, in St. Louis and Houston and Chicago and Washington, D.C. and Omaha, but not here. 5.08 in the morning, a factory whistle sounds. The old steam whistles pull the men to work, but today the men were called to a different kind of work. That was the signal. The invasion was on, and the machine guns opened up, and the whites charged across the railroad tracks as they were charging any German line in Europe, and the blacks were fighting for their lives. Both sides took casualties, but the white mob with the machine guns, clearly, I mean, the blacks were outnumbered 10 to 1. As the battle began to stall at the front, the white mob then split and hit from the flank, and the black defenders did all they could to protect themselves, and then they heard a buzzing in the sky. They realized that the whites had gotten into airplanes, biplanes, and were attacking from the air, and they were shooting and dropping flaming bombs. This was a full-scale military invasion that had happened. They had brought World War I into Tulsa, Oklahoma. The destruction of Black Wall Street is at a level not seen since the Civil War. This is, this is, the destruction of the city is mind-boggling when you see it. Everything was gone. But the destruction of people, the elderly blacks were executed, kneel down, shooting them in the back of their head while they were praying on their knees. Anything of value, pianos, clothes, jewelry, art, homes, everything was stolen and then burned to the ground. Gasoline doused over everything. The destruction was 35 square blocks of a wealthy section. This is not the slums. This is a wealthy neighborhood. Over 1,000, 1,100 homes were burned, five hotels, 31 restaurants, four drugstores, eight doctor's offices, a school, 24 grocery stores, a hospital, a library, and 12 churches. That's not the worst of the story. Those who did survive were herded up like cattle and they took the belt loops for their belts and they took a rope and they put it on through the belt loops and they tied everybody together and they put them in internment camps. The largest internment camp was a horror show. Soldiers who were armed with bayonets, they brought their guns home. They patrolled the fence line. 4,000 blacks were inside they were bleeding, they were in shock. They didn't know what to do, they had lost everything. They didn't know if even their families were alive. Husbands were split from wives and children. 300 blacks were killed. 
and their bodies in front of these people, loaded up on the back of flatbed trucks. They came in, dug mass graves, and dumped all the bodies in there. Surely, surely, the word horror was made for such a day as this, and surely we would teach this in our classrooms. Something happened. Something happened that made sure we not only buried the dead, we buried the truth of Black Wall Street. Well, obviously, we really like the work that uh, brave companies do in innovating in food, um, and we agree, we like the science as well. Jeffy, uh, why don't you just step in here? The, issue the science that is so important to us. Uh, we don't we don't oh care about gosh. the taste or anything. We no. just it's just the science of it that we make this sacrifice for you. Hmm. Jeffy took two. It's crazy. And uh, today, I will say the the, the one thing I do have a problem with at this point, Pat, and this has been a, a, a problem we've had several times, is uh -huh. that they don't they're not filling the packages anymore. No. Like we keep getting them like this. What I, the heck? I don't understand That's, why. Um, I mean, my first suspicion would be Jeffy carries them mm -hmm. over here and just eats them on the way. Uh, but apparently that's not true. But these are Red Velvet Chips Ahoy cookies. Oh, man. And they're soft batch. Red Velvet. Oh, God, so good. Red Velvet, and then it looks to be white chocolate chips, right? You a-hole. Did you eat one of those things already? Jesus. Now they have oh. both eaten them. Cream oh. cheese chocolate chips? Yes. Oh, what, what? I'm a huge wow. fan, by the way. I mean, again, Jeffy's already eaten them, so just give your freaking review, because obviously we no, have no build-up to this now. Finished. Well, these aren't bad. Okay, there you go. That's Jeffy. Pat, did you want to chime in? <laughs> I don't understand it. We have several minutes left in this segment. We have nothing else prepared to do here. And now you you did, there was no buildup. You just jammed them in your mouth the first opportunity. That was really wrong of you, Jeffy. You're <laughs> stupid. I'm so, <laughs> so one of the biggest keys, I believe, to any red velvet. These are delicious. As you know, I'm a red velvet connoisseur. I know. So I'm, um, I'm excited to hear. And we all were waiting for your... Of course. Because this is really your thing. Right? Because you're such a red velvet fan. The big thing is the cream cheese frosting. Cream cheese frosting mm -hmm. is very important to any red velvet project you're going to get involved in. Uh, you want to make sure it's that creamy. You want to make sure it's not just all sugary, like uh -huh. that buttercream frosting stuff, which is okay in certain cases. But you really need... On, on red velvet, it has to be... That really creamy cream cheese frosting, it's crucial. So a very smart decision by Chips Ahoy, and, and as you know, we're fans. Um, they put the cream cheese uh, chips in there, which I think is a great idea. Uh -huh. um, the smell is freaking delicious. It does really smell I mean, good. I don't know if you could smell things. A, a delicious smell is not really a thing. But man, do these smell good. Holy crap. If only there was smell-o-vision television. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that'd be Here, great. Here, try, try one. Try, just, just, just smell. Just sniff real quick. Just, uh -huh. just sniff it. Just sniff it right there. Take a deep, take a deep, oh yeah. Okay, how did that smell? Did that smell good? Oh man, so good. All right, I gotta, I gotta eat one of these before I die. Um, here it is, Red Velvet uh, Chips Ahoy. And I like the soft batch, by the way. I'm all soft batch on Chips Ahoy. Oh yeah, um, gotta be soft batch. Now the crunchy ones I'll eat, you know, especially with uh, a little bit of um, milk. Thank you, Jeffy. Uh, but, you know, they're not, they're, they're not as good as the soft batch ones. No. Um, so, and they also have these thin ones we should try at some point. Um, my wife for the kids oh, got yeah. uh, the cinnamon ones with, like, white mm. chocolate chip. 
Mm -hmm. They're awesome. Those I try without you guys. So, you know, I'm what? obviously a hypocrite. Okay, here we go. Obviously. Mm. <laughs> Was it everything you dreamed? Holy crap. It might be because we're hungry, though. Yeah, it might be. I'm really hungry. I mean, these are really good, and they're going to get a good they number. They are good. Oh, my God. They're going to get a good number with or without milk, but. They might have the highest number because, yeah. of all time. Oh, wait a I think so. We've got some breaking news here. We've got a filling. Yeah. Yeah. They have a cream cheese filling. A cream cheese filling. I, I heard that earlier. Oh, you did? I, I mean, oh. I mean, that's what Pat said. Yeah. I thought you just said that the chips were cream cheese. Hmm. Cream cheese filling, too. Hmm. So, no, cream man. cheese chips, I guess, and then the cream cheese filling. Okay, here's what the I filling was is what Really good. It. Yeah, the filling, filling is delicious. It. Okay. <laughs> what I think is going on here, and I could be wrong on this. What do you think is going on there? What I think is going on is you got cream cheese chips. Okay. But the filling is more Oreo style. Like it's actually more of a frosting, like Oreo cream filling sort of. Is so it? they're tricking you. They're I giving, you, so well, they're giving you some filling. What does it say here? Let's cheese. see what it says. If it gives us a, it gives us a clue. Mm. Uh, cream cheese flavored chips. And then it. I, I, think I don't think it says anything about the filling. I mean, I don't. That's weird. Oh. In a situation like this, you try to taste each individual component by itself. Because that's how good these are. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't say anything about uh, the filling. Yep. Could be. Oh, we got to find out mm. if it's not bone dust. Oh, it might be bone dust. I what if say. it's What if it's uh, cream bone dust filling? They're freaking good, I'll tell you that. <laughs> these are. That could be like pig ligaments. I know. You don't, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. It's okay with red velvet. It could be hoof. <laughs> you know, ground up hoof. Gonna break on tongue. Be okay. I got to say. Tongue, tail. All right, I'm gonna try one more just because I'm not certain how much I like these. Yet. I will say this. Now we've had a lot of we've tasted a lot of products on the show. Yeah. And a few of them have been like Emporium pies, which are you know. Yeah, you're gonna. It's specialty shop, like different thing. When it comes to just a bagged product you can buy at the store, this is one of the favorite things I've ever had on the show. I agree. I, I, I agree with that. I will give this a the vaunted 17 out of 18 on our scale. Wow. That never happens. I've never given away a perfect rating, I don't think. A mm -mm. 17 of 18. The only thing I would say is they're, they're a, a, a tad, they're not quite as moist as they I would. They should be, like, I know. They're really good, and, well, they're, and they're pretty moist. They're just not like the, fully. That could be the chipness, or the, the freshness, shipness on the, on the shelf, man. Yeah, it could be. It's I, either I, that, mm -hmm. or somebody opened these prematurely, and right. they've been around a while. Uh, I'm not sure this is a brand new package. Uh, I would be willing to do a separate taste test with a sealed package on these mm -hmm. to see if it gets an 18. Because this is how good I think this is. So you're giving it a 17. 17. I'm going to give oh. it a 16. I, I mean, without milk, yeah, 15. 15. I, I hate you. 15, 16, 17. These are fantastic. You should go They're really right good. now. They will change your life if you're depressed. They're really good. They will cure your depression. Yeah. If you have a disease, it will mm -hmm. cure that disease. No mm -hmm. IBS? Well, not for you, Jeff. They're just too much. I mean, they're not, it's not, a, it's not magic. It's a cookie. <laughs>